What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, most call this National Signing Day, with five straight and six out of seven number one ranked recruiting classes. I think it's call, it's safe to call this Alabama Reloading Day. <laughs> I like that, man. It's got a nice ring to it. No, we we have been very blessed. We knew we knew when Coach Saban got here that um you and I were just hoping he'd stay three or four years. You know, we knew as long as he, you know, for whatever length of time he was going to be here, when he did leave, the cupboard was going to be full um, because he's just a great recruiter, probably one of the top two or three recruiters in the nation. And, um, you know, he he has he has a great knack for being able to, uh, to get um, his full share of guys from across the country. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, in some regards, we were just uh, happy that our seat was open when the music stopped, right? And and he was able to sit in it. And and then we looked at it from, you know, if he doesn't stay long, that's fine. Just build for us the infrastructure that you've built at other places. And then we just need a next coach that's competent that can kind of keep it between the rails uh, to keep that moving. I think we found out that we're double lucky. Not only did the music stopped and we had a seat opening, but that he decided this is the seat at my stage in my career with my experience that I don't want to just restore and rebuild, but I want to empire build on top of that. And so he's, he has been here longer than anyone ever would have guessed. And, you know, there's no immediate end in sight and he just keeps racking up these amazing recruiting classes. Uh, and we keep, uh, uh, you know, kind of log piling, uh, talent. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. And today was no exception. We had another uh, outstanding recruiting classes. There are several different services that rank and evaluate. And uh, by at least one service, I think maybe a couple, but at least one, uh, we've earned the number one uh, recruiting class again. And, and uh, that's pretty darn impressive. I, I remember when uh, we were reminiscing a little bit before we started about how long we've been doing this. And I remember a time we recorded the show several years ago, and we were just kind of in awe that we were the only program over a three-year period 
that had three top 10 recruiting classes. And so now we've added four number one recruiting classes on top of that. And so imagine the level of all that we must be feeling now. Oh, absolutely, man. And, you know, when we first started doing this, you know, prior to, to coach Saban getting here, it was a big deal. If you got a four star in the recruiting class. Oh yeah. We, we, there was, you know, when we had some of our leaner years, there was no shot at a five star or if a five star did come to town, he came to town the day before signing day to give lip service on his way to the school that he was ultimately going to commit to. Yes. So he would squeeze us in the day before signing day and everybody get their hopes up that, Oh, you know, this kid's in town, this kid's gonna, you know, he's going to do a 180. And so, you know, classes of old was littered with, you know, pretty much three stars, a few two stars and maybe one four star. Yeah. And, and now the fact that we don't really even have three stars very rarely um, you know, my, how things have changed. Yeah. I think there's only four in this class. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. If you think about it in the, in those terms, well, hey, let's, let's jump into our content, what we want to cover now. And I'll just kind of set the scene, uh, for everyone. Uh, this is, you know, this will follow a different format, obviously than the the shows that we do post game, right? Because it's a little different. So we're going to step through a couple different categories and Tom and I, Tom and I are just going to kind of bat some names back and forth and, and have a little bit of discussion. But we're going to break the recruits into into three categories. Uh, we had 24 recruits uh, signed today, uh, if you count Scarborough, uh, who's a carryover from last year. And we're going to kind of break this uh, into uh, a couple of groups. We're going to look at uh, the players that we think are going to make day one contributions. They're going to come in like a Cam Robinson or an Ashawn Robinson or a Julio Amari, those kind of players, and make day one impact. We're also going to break down sort of the dark horse uh, competitors for freshman contributions. Think of a Jonathan Allen, a Tony Brown, uh, a, a Dominic Jackson, Deshaun Hand, those kind of players who kind of came in, had a little bit of a role. Uh, if things had broken a little bit differently, then maybe they would have a, a much larger role. We're going to look at red shirts. Uh, a lot of fans, when uh, a player will redshirt, it's like those players never existed. Uh, we're going to look at some red shirts. We're going to ask, you know, write down their name and keep these guys in mind because they're going to have career level uh, achievements. Think of uh, an AJ McCarron or uh, maybe a Nick Perry or Austin Shepard. Uh, those kinds of players who uh, had hallmark positions and contributions to the team, but they redshirted early in their careers. Then we're going to take a look at uh, what's the biggest miss in this recruiting class. And then what's the biggest surprise kind of to wrap things up uh, with that. So those are the topics we're going to run through. Uh, Tom, why don't we kick it off with day one uh, contributors. Uh, you can go first. I can go first, however you want to go. Well, I, I will kick it off for us, man. Um, you know, first to set the stage, as, as most listeners know, you know, um, we, we're losing 10 out of 11 starters on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, and that's a lot, you know, out of the, out of the 10 starters that we lost on, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, only three of these guys were, were first year starters. So, you know, we, we had seven guys, you know, that were, you know, were, there were at least in their second year as a starter on last year's football team. And so obviously when you lose an Amari and a TJ early, you know, it adds to the, to the numbers to get you to the 10. Um, but you know, my, my first, my first guy on this year's team, um, as far as day one starter is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an easy call to me. Um, but I, I think that we're going to have to go 
um, at the wide receiver position. And I think that we're going to have to go with Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, last year's football team, we had two fifth-year seniors in DeAndre White and Chris John Jones um, to go with Amari that started at wide receiver. Um, obviously, you know, we know we, we talked all season about Chris John Jones and and he was kind of lukewarm uh, in his fifth year uh, at the position. Um, our Darius Stewart obviously will be coming back from an injury. Um, but some of these backup guys really struggled to see the field. And so when Chris John Jones was kind of hit and miss and was banged up and had some injuries, you know, and, and DeAndre White was banged up as well, Amari Cooper had to hold the load. And you and I expected a Chris Black or a Cam Sims or a Robert Foster to really jump on the scene. Yep. And the only guy that did really a little bit was Cam Sims. And so while these other guys were highly recruited, um, it's fair game as far as, you know, we, we play five or six wides and, you know, in our rotation. So, you know, Calvin really is the, you know, he's the highest rated, you know, wide receiver to, to, to come out since Julio Jones for Alabama. And, um, you know, while Saban doesn't like these star ratings, these rating services don't miss very often when they say this person is the number one person at their position. <clears throat> so Julio is the number one in his position. Calvin's the number one in his position. And, uh, I think he's an easy pick. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think Calvin is a is a day one uh, contributor. We have a proven willingness to to play freshmen under Nick Saban and, and play them in material roles at, at wide receiver. Think of Julio uh, and Amari. Like you said, it's certainly a position of need. And uh, I, I don't know if I want to call it cloudy uh, competition or low competition, but when you think about you know you know Cam. Sims and Ardarius Stewart and Chris Black and Raheem Falkins and Derek Keefe and then you know the names that you mentioned, no one has really emerged as the heir apparent to not only just Amari but to Christian Jones and and uh, DeAndre uh, White. So there's DeAndre White. So there's more than one opportunity for a receiver to step in, and I think Calvin Ridley uh, is at the is at the top. So I think that's a great pick for. Uh, for a day one contributor, I'm going to work down my list as well, and and I'm going to go to the uh, the other side of the ball, and I'm going to I'm going to pick Jonathan Taylor. This guy is going to be a controversial player because of sort of the the specter that sort of lords over him. He has some pending charges uh, for some offenses, and so I'm I'm going to put that as as much as 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 we can into a box and kind of set it aside, and just talk about the player, the on the field between the lines. Uh, and then we can kind of look at the other at, at another time. But when we just think about the player relative to his ability, relative to our need on the field, I think Jonathan Taylor is a day one player. He's more of a true nose guard, uh, which we really don't have on the team. Brandon Ivory was as close as we had to that. Uh, and you and I have spent a lot of time talking about Brandon Ivory. You know, he goes 6'5", 335. He's an early enrollee, uh, which I think helps – uh, he's in a position of need. I think his real true competition is Ashawn and Jaron Reed, but they we like to play them more at the end. And so if he's a more of a true nose guard, uh, that gives him an opportunity. We rotate rotate a lot of player uh, players all across the defensive line, and so his real only competition, if you think about uh, big defensive tackles, would be OJ Smith and Josh uh, Frazier, which are are young guys. And then Corn Curvin and uh, Darren Lake, who have never really sort of uh, seized the ring uh, in terms of getting uh, significant time in the player rotation. So I think Jonathan Taylor almost has, um, I don't want to say easy, right? But uh, but I think he has a road paved 
to early playing time, I think he's a day one contributor. Well, I think that's a good call. And and obviously, um, you know, for the reasons you mentioned, I, I kind of compare it last year to DJ Petway and, and Jerron Reed. While these guys are a little smaller in stature, right? They came to the university from the JUCO ranks. And you're a little bit more polished. And, and Saban has shown that when he goes and gets you at JUCO, he knows you're ready to go, right? Yep. I mean, that's a good Dominic, point too. He's the only JUCO in this class. Correct. And and Dominic Jackson is an exception because Dominic Jackson is probably the first JUCO in a few years that, you know, when Saban grabs you, you're normally ready to go. Okay. And so um, I think last year DJ Petway said to his teammate Jerron Reed, "Hey, I'm going back to Alabama. You need to give these guys a look." These guys need need they need players. They need beef in the middle, and you can go in and make an impact. And Jerron Reed came in, and he outworked Brandon Ivory, and he outworked Darren Lake, and he outright, outworked yep. Corey Curvin. Well, uh, to your point, this is still a position of need because none of those guys are 335 pounds. Right. So I, I agree with you 100%. The next guy that I would say as a contributor on uh, day one might surprise you a little bit, is um, I'm going to say, and it's a little bit of a fudge factor because of his story, um, so I hope you let me count this one, um, but I want to say Bo Scarborough. Okay. He's on my list, so let her rip. And so, I see what you got for him. So, so I remember last year we talked about one of the biggest things we're going to miss on the off. So, so last year we had seven returning starters, but one of those four guys not returning was Michael Williams. And we talked about, you know, how do you replace a Michael Williams because of what all he does? Well, this year's Michael Williams is Jostin Fowler. Yep. Yep. I yep, was just, yep. I was shocked. I was shocked that we didn't really more aggressively go after a fullback in this class because Lane Kiffin's coming back, how he likes to use the fullback. And let's face it, there, there's just not a fullback on, on the depth chart. You know, no, no offense to, to Michael. Um, you know, obviously if Michael, nice had, if Mike, yeah, if he, if he, had, if he wasn't a senior and was coming back, I wouldn't be cutting on him, but let's face it. Justin Fowler is hard to replace. Okay. Yes. Just yes. like Michael Williams was. And so in the true sense of an H back, I was looking at the roster and I was looking at, you know, who's going to be that, that pseudo H back guy that can be a lot of positions. And I'm going to take a stab for you, and I think the starter on day one at that position is going to be Bo Scarborough. Yeah, I look. I want to jump all over this because this is. is I think it's you're reading my notes right. He's an early enrollee. He's six foot two thirty six. He's a little bit smaller than what Fowler was listed at, but he's so much more explosive as a runner. And I can hear fans that are listening to us just pulling their hair out, hair out saying, "No, he's not going to be a tight end. He's not going to be a fullback. He's going to be a running back because his talent." is is so uh proficient and 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 I kind of sit I kind of sit in this position where I say yes I 100% agree that Scarborough is going to be a running back but there's an intersection of his diverse talent and our need on the team uh with with Fowler out with our uh really lack of depth at tight end and we're going to talk about that position as well I think a multifaceted Swiss Army knife, H-back type player, there's a significant need. And I think there's going to be an intersection of we can't keep Scarborough off the field because he's so damn talented. 
and we have this need need here, he is going to be an ultra dynamic Justin Fowler. And, and that's no as and that's I, no offense to Justin Fowler. He's just going to bring something to the table that that Justin Fowler's body makeup wouldn't allow him to do. Right. Justin Fowler was an H back with maybe the emphasis more on fullback. I think Scarborough is going to be an H back with more of an emphasis on running back. And yep. so I would I would strongly urge the Alabama fans listening to us don't get wrapped up on the H in H back, right? Just all that means is I do a lot of different shit. And so I can do a lot of different shit, but I can focus most of my different stuff kind of doing one thing. And Jowson's most of what he focused on is H-back was really a fullback. Scarball is going to be an H-back who most of what he does is tailback, but he's going to do a lot of other things. Yeah, I think I think where Justin Fowler, you know, the reason Justin Fowler is going to get drafted and make a lot of money on Sundays is because, you know, he can do a lot of different things. And one of his big successes was, you know, <laughs> catching touchdown passes at the goal line, right? I mean, let's face it, he was really freaking good at that. And so let's not forget that too that that that's another thing that while 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 he was running the ball 4 yards on a cloud of dust, he was catching the ball out of the backfield. Well, I don't think Bo's going to be asked to do that on day one because we've got some other tailbacks in Kenyon Drake and Derrick Henry that have shown they can catch the ball out of the back, yes. you know, screen passes just fine. And so Bo's going to be asked to compliment them, I think. Yes. I also think a dimension that Bo's going to bring to the game that, that we did not even have last year, even with Justin, was – a third and two, who's the back that's going to lower his shoulder in the hole and kick somebody's ass to get those yards. And so everyone likes to say, well, Derrick Henry, because he's 245 pounds. Yeah, but he's sort of a dancing bear. He's, he's not a, he's a an mauler. Guy. Yep. And I think Scarborough is going to be the, the mauler type uh, in this situation. It, it, in some regards, it, there's a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of of a of a player, LaRon McLean, who never really contributed in the way that he could uh, while he was at Alabama. But he he went to the NFL for the Ravens and rushed for over a thousand yards in the NFL. And so our fan base was like, "Well, where was that while he was here? Well, we didn't use him that way." And Scarborough yes. is going to be the kind of guy that probably is even more athletic than LaRon McLean. But we're going to use him that way, and so yeah, absolutely. Scarborough is the right guy. I, you know, you read my mail on him. I had him what? on on my list as well. I, I want to I want to quickly touch on something you just said before you give me your next player. I think a nice analogy for what we think Bo's going to do, right? Because at this point, this is just conjecture. But and this is the you know this is the cool. This is what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. I can see him as a blend of a LaRon McLean and Justin Fowler. I'm glad mm-hmm. you said LaRon's name. I can see him bringing the best that those two guys brought to the table together. Yes. Yeah. And I also think, you know, Michael Nicewander, uh, you know, he's still around. He's still on the team. Uh, he was a senior academically last year. But, you know, in, in terms of his his athletic career, you know, he had not played a whole lot, so take any of the last couple of years and consider it a red shirt, and he has another year of eligibility. 
Uh, and I think we've actually put him on scholarship. So he's probably going to hang around. He is otherwise the starter at H-back. And I've got nothing against him. I'm not mad at him. But if I have the opportunity to put him on the field 40% of the snaps or I can put Scarborough on the field for 40% of the snaps, I don't I don't think there's much of a decision to be made there. Absolutely. All right, who's your, who's your next guy? Uh, you know, and this is awesome because Bo's kind of a, an intersection of – of two guys that, that I want to talk about. Um, we're, I, I, so I don't know which one I want to go to next. I'm going to go maybe to the, uh, uh, you know, a guy that, uh, is, is kind of late that we're just mentioning him, but I want to go, uh, Damian Harris running back five eleven two Oh five out of Kentucky. He's a five-star kid. Uh, the number one rated recruiting, uh, rated, uh, running back in the country. Uh, Oh, by the way, there's a history of those guys being pretty good. Uh, Derek Henry, uh, Leonard Fournette, or the are the the last two examples, and and they've played uh, very well. He's a guy. His talent will put him on the field and uh, in in more of a true running back uh, position. It'll earn him him an opportunity in the rotation. If you think about who we've got, uh, we've got Henry coming back. Obviously, we've got Drake, but he's coming back from a significant injury, and so we won't know what we've got until until later. And then we've got Tyron Jones, who hasn't played. Uh, a whole lot, and we lost uh, Alton uh, Alton Tenpenny, and so when you look at Damian Harris with the the superior talent that I think that he has, I think that he's going to find carries in the triumvirate of Henry Drake and Jones. Uh, I think he's going to get an opportunity. I think his talent uh, is going to be hard to keep him off the field. All right. Well, um, you know, and, and also too, even if even if Kenyon Drake comes back, I, I could see Drake. Uh, getting worked more into a slot receiver type of role. Yeah, um, split out and stuff. He's a different cat. We've proven that we u- will use him in different ways. So I just, you know, I, to say he'll be in the three, you know, to your point, right, maybe uh, maybe it could be a, a, a 3A and a 3B Yeah. Um, as far as running back depth is concerned. And he's got that um, size that Saban likes, 5'11", 205, kind of in that ballpark. Uh, Tyron Jones is a little smaller than that. Henry's a lot bigger than that. Uh, he's just got that. I think he fits a niche that we don't have at our running game. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to contribute and Scarborough as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how the carries sort of pan themselves out. I think that's why Scarborough is going to be okay doing some different things because it's going to get him on the field. But, uh, yeah, I think they both contribute even though they kind of share space relative to how they play. Okay. As far as the the next guy for me, you know, it's it's. I, I was really I was really debating as as far as the as far as the position here. So you you kind of stole one of mine at at running back because because <laughs> obviously losing you know obviously losing ten guys on the offensive side of the ball uh, is, is huge. But I think from a I think from a contribution standpoint, um, you know the the next guy that I that I really think that. Um, uh, that that I would like to uh, to look at is really more on the defensive side of the ball. Sure. Um, and and specifically, um, this is going to probably be you know one that you'll kind of question. Um, but I think for the same reasons that we just mentioned, I I really would like to go linebacker, but I really don't think any of the linebackers in this class are are going to you know be in this first category. Sure. Um, and so the other guy that 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 I really want to look at. Is really more the safety position. Give it to me. I really, I really think from, I really think from a from a safety position. You know, I I, I really love, you know, I really love both of them. 
Um, but I think I think from a I think from a safety position, you know, we are we are we're really struggling at that as far as you know losing three guys and 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 really just having all the questions that we have in the in the secondary to begin with. You know, I'm going to go with the Sean Burgess Becker kid. Um, you know, I. I think he's the. I think of the safeties. I think he's the guy that that's the closest guy for you know to be ready to to play and to be in the rotation. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think he could absolutely be in the top five or six guys that come on the field in the dime package. As you know, we've lost five safeties in the last two years. We've lost three this year, and right now the only guy that we really have back there who I'm really high on is that Hootie Jones kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the Hootie Jones kid is going to be it's going to be a tall order to step in. I mean, we're going to have two new starters at strong safety and free. And so I just think the I think the Sean kid uh, could be in that mix because we could see like we played uh, musical chairs at cornerback last year. We could see three or four safeties getting playing time the first month of the season while we figure out who's. Which one's going to turn the light bulb on? Okay, okay. I do not have uh, Burgess Becker on my board. What's interesting is I have both of the other safeties sort of in my dark out, dark horse uh, group, and so we'll talk about them when we get to there. What I find interesting about uh, about uh, SVB here is that he's a high school uh, teammate of Calvin Ridley, and so what what sort of populates in my mind when I think about that is, is this going to be another Julio Robert Lester situation where Julio Calvin is sort of the day one star three years and he's out. Right. And then, uh, Burgess Becker, Robert Lester, uh, red shirts and then sort of develops and matriculates over his career and then has a really good career but one's out in three and one's out in five, and you sort of forget that they were ever uh, high school seniors that came in in the same recruiting class. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because Robert Lester is still playing with the Carolina Panthers. Yes, yes. And, and he is, you know, he was brought up to active roster this year. You know, yep. he, he bounced from practice squad to the 53-man roster on the Panthers off and on this year. Um, but two years in a row now, he's been on active roster for part of the season. He's cashing right. checks, as they say. He's cashing the big checks. Yes. There you go. So, so, so I'm okay if if you see him in a different category. Who who would you who would you wager as your your next guy in that category? Yeah, I'm gonna round out my day one contributors, uh, and and this one may be a little bit of a surprise, but I think I have some good rationale. And this is where day one contributors doesn't necessarily mean the highest ranked guy on the in the recruiting class. It just means the convergence of talent and opportunity. And so I'm going Hale, uh, I'm going to have to learn how to say his last name, but Hale Hintgus, uh, the tight end. And uh, and here's where I go this. He's one of the few three stars that we have in this recruiting class, but it's 6'5", 230. Tight end is a position uh, of need. We're losing Vogler, and in fact we're losing uh, a couple of other guys if you think about Fashawn and uh, Freetag. Uh, and so a lot of the guys that are sort of in that middle tier of sort of growing up through the ranks, they're stripped out of the out of the program. Vogler's stripped out of the program. And so you look at who we really have. We've got O.J. Howard, who we know is more receiver than inline blocker. We've got Ty Florney Smith, who we've seen flashes from, but we've not seen him sort of own the position. Uh, we've got Brandon Green, who's more of a 
I don't want to say gimmick player, but he's more of a blocker. Run blocker. Than yep. he, and then so we can use him situationally in passing, but he's not someone that we can kind of put out there as is an ongoing sort of component in the passing game. And then we've got Dakota Ball, who was a defensive lineman we moved over last year just because we wanted to try to get some other big bodies in there for blocking. I don't see him ever really as a threat uh, in the receiving game. And so we have a need. We have a material need at that position. And I think Hale can step in and fill it. He strikes for more than one reason, uh, tall white guy being one of the reasons, but for other reasons as well. He strikes me as fitting in the Colin Peake, Preston Dial, Brian Vogler, uh, Brad Smelly sort of uh, lineage. And uh, if he's going to fulfill on that, he's going to have to step into that very quickly because most of those guys really didn't take over that mantle until their junior or senior year. Uh, Hell, I think, maybe has an opportunity sort of through that that uh, that lineage, but he's got to grow into it very quickly, uh, and I think he's going to get some some opportunity to contribute uh, this season. That's my that's kind of my sneaky one. You know, last year I went with J.K. Scott, who's a punter, right? But then I was just about to bring that up to remind the listeners, and and you did that because it was a position of need, right? Exactly. That's where we had a, a significant position. Now I never would have guessed he would have been as good as he was, but you know, clearly he was the day one starting punter, and so that's where. Hey, he's not the highest rated guy. No, but he brings talent to where we have a point of need. That's where I think Hale fits into this category uh, when he's not really the crown jewel of the recruiting class, but he's the only tight end, you know, in some regards, he's the only tight end we've got. Uh, and it's really a thin roster of tight ends that, that we do have. And we'll talk about that a little bit later uh, in, in another section. But uh, that's where I'm going my last one, day one contributors. Well, but to your point, he is, you know, the 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 bio on him right is that he's the you know he he's he has the ability to to bring both packages to the table right mm-hmm. the the pass catching and the run blocking and 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 what we said last year was is is we don't want to telegraph when OJ Howard comes on the field that you know we're we're throwing the ball right we want a and, guy that can do both and and you know presumably he he he's going to bring some of that uh, i think i think i think he's going to be more of a day one contributor passing in the receiving game uh because blocking at this level i think is is sort of a different dynamic but uh, you know he's gonna have to get into the weight room and get into get into summer and, and fall camp and and uh really demonstrate that he can do it but i think he has an opportunity because there's there are uh, there's playing time to be had at that position okay well um that's interesting i uh i i think that um, I, I wouldn't have picked him uh, for for day one contributor just because of the numbers at tight end. Uh, but as you talk about your rationale, you know we were we were real hopeful on on Ty Florney uh, Smith last year, and he had an opportunity to walk through the door, and he really hasn't yet, right? Right. And and so you know you you have to ask the question. Well, you know, is he going to kind of yeah deal? yeah? I mean, you know. <laughs> Spoiler alert, when we do what to watch for in uh, in spring practice and what to watch for in fall camp, Ty Florney Smith, for me, is going to top the list uh, or be near the top of the list. Oh, absolutely. Why absolutely. don't you flip us to dark horse candidates? And so these are the guys that maybe don't have the, the straight line, uh, but uh, they're talented freshmen, and if things kind of go the right way for them, uh, they can uh, they can contribute. Maybe special teams, maybe in the rotation. Who who jumps off your your list at uh, in this category? 
you know, I'm not going to put this guy's special teams. I, I'm going to put this guy, you know, kind of tying into your theme of, of, um, you know, of need, right. And, and, and need for us is the linebacker position. Okay. And specifically getting after the quarterback. Okay. And so last year we brought in guys that we thought could get after the quarterback. And so we, we were hoping a DJ Petway would, he did a little bit, a Xavier Dixon, you know, after as a fifth year senior, you know, finally kind of stepped up for us a little bit. But we really had to look for for freshmen, um, to you know, freshmen and sophomores to to and to, to step in and and really give us that pressure on on third and long. And so I I really uh, you know look at the Jennings kid, uh, the defensive end out of Alabama. You know he's six three, two hundred and sixty pounds. Um, you know his his thing is he's just an elite pass rusher, but he's already got the body size at two hundred and sixty pounds. And they're saying that he can play both the defensive end and the Jack linebacker. And so his biggest thing is going to be, are you able to, you know, understand the playbook and, and or, or comprehensive, you know, comprehend the playbook quick enough because Deshaun Han, who was the number one recruit in the nation last year, you know, only got spotted time. And he was also the 265 pound, you know, type of, of yep. mold. So he's a kid that I want to put in the second category just because we we are so thin at linebacker and we're so thin at guys that can rush the passer. Okay. I really, really like Anthony Jennings. Um I you know, in 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 prior years, he would be the star of the recruiting class. Uh I I do he would have been the, he would have been the number one guy, right? Yeah. On our board. Yeah, and and so things are have changed, you know, such that that you know he's one of many stars in the recruiting class. Uh, things have changed such that we have stacked up uh, players at various positions that I think interrupts his ability to make a day one contribution or even sort of be uh, a, a a dark horse for a day one contribution. I have Anthony Jennings firmly on my red shirt but career achievement list uh, and just, you know, 6'3", I've seen 264, I've seen 265, and I've seen 250 for his weight. But but he really comes in with the size that Courtney Upshaw had when he left. As a and, senior, exactly. Yes. And so he comes in sort of pre-built. Um, he appears a little raw, and I've watched – and he is actually one of the players that I've watched a little bit of uh, film on. He seems a little bit raw, I think, in in his play. Uh, there's also some talk about moving him to a tight end position, which, you know, we've, we're going to talk about tight end, you know, more and more. But I think Anthony Jennings is is a player that will do well with a year in the system. And I say that for two reasons because I think he personally needs it because he is a little raw. And so get into the system, get some structure, uh, get into the, the weight, the weight program. I think that will help him. And then I think we just have players stacked up ahead of him, you know, Ryan Anderson and Deshaun hand and, and, uh, you know, some of the other linebackers that I think that we're going to redshirt him for his development and for roster management purposes. So I went ahead and gave you one of my redshirt guys because you called him, uh, you you called him out, but uh, I really like Anthony Jennings. I just think he's more of a red shirt than uh, than dark horse, but I think he's a great pick. Okay, 
Well, give me, uh, give me, give me who you would have in that dark horse candidate since you would put him more as a, a red shirt guy. Yeah, I think that, uh, and I've already kind of, uh, I've already kind of teased uh, that I've got a couple safeties over here. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Deontay Thompson at free safety, six two one eighty one. Uh, he's an early enrollee, which I think uh, really helps him. The free safety position is such a position of need. Last year, we saw Landon Collins play some at that position, and we saw Nick Perry uh, kind of own that position. And so we've talked about for three years that we have seen Nick Perry lose his job at some point in the season. And last season was, you know, he didn't lose his job. And so we talked about, yes, he's playing more comfortable. He's playing the best that he's ever played. Uh, and And so, you know, hats off to Nick Perry. But it took him that far into his career. And and as well as he played, he still didn't play well enough that you wouldn't think that we would have someone that could still beat him out. But we didn't. And so with both of those guys gone, Nick Perry and Landon Collins, what's the competition really for free safety? Is it Jabril Washington, Lawrence Jones? I mean, he goes 220. He's probably more of an inside guy. Geno Smith? No, because I think he's probably more of still the star. So I think we have an unclear competition that he has the opportunity if he can learn the position because the defensive backfield under Saban is tough. And that's why he's a dark horse rather than a day one contributor is because it's so hard to learn the position, but he has a great convergence of talent, skill, ability, and need at the position. I'm going Deontay Thompson free safety. Well, I think to your point, the, the reason, you know, when you, when you look at these early enrollee guys, you know, we, we got, we've got, eight this year we had seven last year and when you go back and look at the early enrollee guys from last year you know there there wasn't that many guys that contributed on day one um you know yeah you, you had a tony brown who was five star number two cornerback yep. in the nation yep. and he and he, he couldn't get on the starting he he wasn't one of the starting cornerbacks when we thought he should have been right sure and sure. uh so 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 to your point that 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 makes it a little bit suspect when you think and and that's why I went uh that's why I went with Jennings because you know Jennings might be a situation where they just say pin your ears back and go after the quarterback yeah, yeah absolutely and and no offense to Ryan Anderson and Xavier Dixon but it took them a while to get there yep and I'm hoping Jennings is just kind of ready to do that now. That's all. Yeah. Uh, it, which is which is why which is why I'd said Jennings. You know, as as far as as far as the uh, as far as the next guy on there, the the next position of the next position of need that 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 we really have um, is on the offensive line because mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we're because we're losing three offensive linemen. Yep. And so then it becomes a situation of 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 looking at those guys which are getting there early because like defensive line, I, I think you have to get there early to, to have any chance to do anything okay. um, as far as contributing goes. And so, you know, call me a, you know, call me a sentimental guy. But when I look at the two guys, I had to go with Dallas because of his pedigree. Okay. And, uh, and I, and I had to go with Dallas Warmack, you know, over Kennedy because of his older brother. And and that and that's just straight up, man. There's something to be said with lineages, and you know, take the Quanjo brothers, right? There's something to be said that you know, if one guy's a player, the other guy's a player, and typically the younger guy's more of a player than the older kid. Uh, you know, look at Cyrus and you know, and his brother. Sure. And so 
I, I think that we had three offensive linemen come in last year. Two got moved to center. One got moved to backup tackle. None of them really took the chance at trying to beat out Leon Brown and Alfonso Taylor because neither one of them wanted the position. Yeah. Leon Brown won it, but neither one really wanted it. And let's face it, you and I both thought Ari was going to lose the other one. Yep. So I, I think Dallas, you know, as a, as a three-year starter in high school, um, I think he's a kid who uh, has a chance to uh, to definitely be in the two deep and definitely be a dark horse and potentially win a starting job. Okay. Which position do you think he's competing for? I, I think that they would have to put him at left guard. Okay. okay. I think they would be more comfortable putting him next to Cam as opposed to putting him on the other side of the ball where there's going to be two new starters. Okay. Well, let's do this and let's continue this conversation. Let me throw another name uh, out there because I my thinking was in line with yours. I just went with a different player. Okay. Uh, I went with Lester Cotton. Okay. Uh, because he just looks fully developed. He is a he he just, you know, 6'5, uh 325 and I think he goes a little bit a little bit heavier than that. I think he's our most ready. He he looks to be the most ready uh, coming in the door. And just like you said, it's a position of need. We're losing Ari, we're losing Leon Brown, and we're losing uh, Austin Shepard. You know, you mentioned Dominic Lee or Dominic Jackson a little bit uh, earlier in terms of you know kind of the JUCO that that didn't live up to his billing. Sort of the the pass I'll give him on that is he got hurt in camp. Uh, I would I would probably go with Leon Brown. It was was more of that example because he had to be redshirted, and I think the best performance we ever saw out of Leon Brown was against Oklahoma uh, yes. when he just kind of really surprised us. For my money, we that was the best we ever saw from him. We didn't see that uh, following season, and part of that was that he got injured in camp. So a uh, couple couple different thoughts there. But I started to think about well, which lineman. And then which position, and that kind of that kind of got me uh, really leaning heavily on the Lester Cotton because I think if you go Cam Robinson at left tackle, I think that's set, and at center Ryan Kelly, I think we've got that set. So of the three other linemen, you know who plays what position? Well, I think at right guard, Bozeman. I think it's Bradley Bozeman wins that job over and Alfonso. Then, okay. Yes. Because you can't the left because you can't keep him off the field because he'll be one of the best five. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then if you look at the left guard and the right tackle position, I think you've got Grant Hill and Dominic Jackson battling for those two positions. And then one of them's going to win one of the positions, and one of them's going to win the other. Uh, then you start thinking, well, who's the first one off the bench? And so if that's your lineup uh, from left to right, you've got Cam, call it Dominic Jackson. Brian Kelly, uh, Bradley Bozeman, and a call it Grant Hill. Then your question is, well, who's the first one off the bench? Bench is it Shake? Is it Shank? Uh, is it Piercebacher? Is it Casher? Is it Hassenauer? Uh you, you have a lot of unknowns there uh, because two of those guys are red shirts. Piercebacher played a little bit, but only just barely a little bit. And then Shank started out in the starting lineup, but by the end of the season, he was kind of out of the rotation. And so you think, well, for that first lineman off the bench, there is an opportunity for one of these freshmen to come in and steal the position. And so I said, well, who's the guy who, number one, is the most versatile and number two is the most day one ready? And Lester Cotton, for me, fits that bill. He was a, he was a left tackle 
in high school, played very, very well there. He was recruited with thoughts that he could play guard or right tackle. And so I think that tells me that he's got day one sort of top shelf ability because he was a high school left tackle. That gives him the uh, – that to me defines him as the most uh, – plus is just his raw size – uh, defines him as the most day one ready, and he has the most versatility. Or versatility, uh, versatility. So that's why I went Cotton over Dallas. Okay. Well, uh, well, it definitely um, the fact that he's played more than one position, you know, can can definitely serve well because you know, as you said, we've got three, you know, uh, positions uh, yep. available on the offensive line. Yep. Um, and and you know what. I'm going to you're right we have three sort of on the field starting positions. That sixth lineman is hypercritical. And so in sort of in in the Saban mind where there's there's more starters than the 11, right? That sixth lineman is a pseudo starter, I think. Sure. And so that that sixth lineman that has versatility with the versatility that you have on the field that you can do some mix or match because you don't have, you know, you don't literally have the starting five and then a number two at each position. You're going to pick who's your sixth lineman, your sixth best lineman to come in, and you're going to sort of reshuffle the deck so that you have the best available lineman. So who's that sixth lineman in is a pseudo starting position. And so really I think we have four positions that we're going to be trying to fill. I've talked about I I've, I kind of teased him a little bit ago, but uh, Ronnie Harrison at uh, strong safety six three two oh five. He's an early enrollee, which I think helps him. He's going to get the benefit of spring uh, again. Similar to free safety at strong safety, it's a position of need. Uh, we're losing Landon Collins. I know he's played some free. He's played some. Uh, strong, so he's played a lot of different safety positions. Uh, Jarek has played some strong safety, and so again, it's a it's an unclear group of competitors. Ronnie Clark uh, was brought in to play the position last year. I thought for me he was a dark horse last year, uh, but he ended up getting injured. And then uh, Lawrence Jones uh, is a big guy, but you know where's he going to play? You know I don't know that we have a fully defined position yet for him. So I think Ronnie Harrison has an opportunity uh, to jump in. If, and again, if he can learn the position, uh, because the defensive backfield under Saban is, uh, you know, is a tough position. I got a couple more dark horses if you've got one or, or I can give you another one. Well, I will say like when you mentioned, when you mentioned, uh, strong safety, you know, I just go back to, to, to Hootie Jones last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hootie Jones was an early enrollee, right. Mm-hmm. And, and he was a top guy at his position, you know, ranked wise, um, he just was not able to see the field. And, and, and so I guess to your point, the only thing that speaks a little bit to these safeties is just even now it's even more of a numbers game than it was last year. And I'm assuming that's what you're banking on. Yeah. The yeah, fact I that there's even, no Jarrett Williams, no Nick Perry, you know, no Landon Collins. Yeah. We're losing so many guys and, you know, you know, Lawrence last year was not, a uh, a rotation guy necessarily, but he did see the field. And you think, well, he saw the field even after Landon spent some time, Jarek spent some time, you know, and all the different sort of cadre of, of our alignments and configurations. He was still able to see some time. With so many of those guys sort of out of the program, it'd be, it'd be hard-pressed for 
Harris, you know, and I say this of both Harrison and Thompson, if they can learn the playbook and and being an early enrollee helps them, then it's going to be really hard for them not to see some time. Even if it's deeper in the rotation, they will make a contribution. It's just how well they play relative to how well they can learn the playbook is what's going to determine the size of their contribution. Okay. Well, give it. Give us another. Give us another dark horse candidate that's on your radar. I'm afraid you're going to steal mine, but go ahead. Well, you go first. You go first. No, no, no. I, I'm. I want to see if you're reading my notes as well. Well, I. I don't know which I got. I got two that I'm looking at, so I don't know if I'm going to read your notes or not. But I'm going right. to. I'm going to. I'm going to go with maybe the lower hanging fruit then, uh, and I'm going to go uh, Day, uh, Damon Charlotte. Uh, why okay, don't you didn't pick mine? That's good. Okay, good. Six foot, 180. Again, it's a position of need. We've talked about the three receivers that we're losing. We've talked about the opportunity uh, with the other players. We've talked about how we rotate so many receivers in that um, a talented receiver doesn't have to be the number one guy. You know, at a quarterback, you have to be the number one guy. Uh, at a receiver, we're going we're gonna to play five or six or, you know, maybe seven sort of in a deeper rotation it's an easier opportunity to kind of step in. And without having a known commodity, I mean, Adarius Stewart and Chris Black are are the closest thing we have to known commodity commodity at the position. And at key times in last year when we could have used Amari as a decoy and thrown to another receiver, we didn't choose to do it. And so I don't know what we've got at the position. And so if Dalen and, you know, we talked about Calvin – if they come in and they're ready to blow the doors off, then, you know, here's a VIP pass to the front of the line. All right, so let me ask you this, though. To that point, was did we not use Amari as a decoy because we said um, that Lane Kiffin just does that? He just he, – he, he runs up stats with one wide receiver like he did at USC, and, and he literally like he did with Marcus Lee, and, and he just rides that one horse – because when you take a Chris Black, you know, for, you know, you know, we, we talked about this years ago, um, but in that 2012 recruiting class, okay, which I find interesting just to, to cover it for just a second, Landon Collins was the number one safety in the nation, okay, at six foot 210. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he panned out, okay. Chris Black was the number two wide receiver, and a guy named Amari Cooper sure. was the number seven wide receiver in the nation, both, both black and Amari Cooper was from the state of Florida. Chris black comes in at a respectable five eleven one seventy. Amari Cooper came in at a six one one eighty five. I bring that up because Amari Cooper just grad or just left the university at 204 pounds, but he came in at one eighty five. So he put on about 20 pounds. Okay. So both of these wide receivers in this class come in more as a Chris Black 170 range, mm-hmm. but they're a little taller than Chris Black, which means they're not going to have a big frame on them, right? Right. And so I just wonder how much these guys are going to contribute because obviously I had the other, you know, Calvin on my list. I wonder how much these guys, you know, are these other guys, were they able to step up and Lane Kiffin just didn't let them? Well, I, I you know, I think clearly – I mean, Chris John Jones and DeAndre White were uh, were proven commodities that they could have stepped up. I think our Darius Stewart proved that he could step up. 
I think Cam uh, Sims proved that he could step up. So I, I think that, you know, and this gets into a whole nother conversation, but I think part of it filters back to, and look, I wish he was coming back to be our starting quarterback, but I think some of it does filter back to the quarterback where especially early in the season, we didn't want him looking at four or five different targets. We might put them all out there, but we're going to go to the best receiver on the field. And as as Sims sort of evolved and became a better quarterback, I don't know that our play calling evolved as aggressively with him, if that makes sense. And we just continued to go to the number one receiver. And hey, and that worked, right? Look, look how far it got us. My thought was when we talked about the Ohio State game was – hey, we have gone incessantly to this receiver so long that we've proven that we're not not going to do it. That's a, that is a chit that we damn well ought to try to cash in on. Here we are now in this big game. We Maybe we take some big shots to another receiver who we think is very capable, but who hasn't who we've just not done that throughout the season. And of course we didn't do it. So um, that's why I say we didn't develop, you know, someone opposite uh, of Amari because I just don't think we did. And so now with him not there and we don't have a clear, you know, last year going into the season, we knew Amari was a star, right? And so, yeah, let's just give the ball to the known star. Well, we don't have a known star. And I so guess, I, I guess what I, go ahead. I, I, no, I'm sorry. I guess what I, I thought you. I guess what I mean by that is, is that going back to years old, a decade ago, with the talent we were bringing in, a Chris Black in 2012 was the number two wide receiver in the country, sure. and Amari was seven. Then a Robert Foster kid in 2013 is the. Uh, excuse me, 2000. Yeah, 2013 is the number two in the nation, and then last year a Cam Sims is the number eight in the country. My point is. Three guys that didn't really get any run last year are all very highly touted kids coming out of high school, right? Yeah. With all of the skills. Yeah. And, and so I wonder how much these two young kids are going to get on the field. Well, you're right, right? And so you could read it two different ways. You could read it that, oh, there's no way that these guys have, are so good and, and they haven't seen the field yet that these new guys are going to have to get in line behind them. And then it could be that way, or it could be that maybe these guys weren't as good as we thought, and there's an opportunity. And I don't know, right? And it could be a little bit of both because Cam Sims last year looked very good when given, you know, the opportunity. Chris Black has looked good a little bit, but when he first came in and was and was sort of lighting everyone up in camp, he got injured pretty severely and had to redshirt. And so, you know, you could reason or you could argue. You know, has is there a mental part of him that was slow coming back? Yes, uh, that cost him in the rotation. I don't know the answer to that, but you could wonder that. And then Robert Foster, I don't have an answer for him because I think his talent is is right up there. Uh, he proved in a day last year that he he has the uh, uh, the potential to be spectacular. Uh, and then we just been very limited in how we use him. So I don't know if it's. You know, I don't know, and I don't want to speculate because I, you know, I'd be wrong. But I don't know. I don't kind of know what the deal is with him, and so maybe this is the year that he blossoms. I don't know. I think we could both be right with both of these wide receivers. 
because I think that we could we could have two wide receivers ranked in the top ten, one being the number one in the country. Yep. And I think that we could have a quarterback that is it might all come together with the wide receiver. My yep. point is is what we said in preseason about the wide receiver and the plethora of talent, we might have just been a year early on that. Yeah. That's, that's all. And so that's, and so there might be a there might be a lot of guys getting some having some fun this year, including the new guys. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes it's funny how that happens, right? You know, Peyton Manning was a star at Tennessee. They won the title after he left and T. Martin was the quarterback. Well, how does that happen, right? Because other people kind of pull their weight because they're not just watching someone else perform. And so maybe, maybe losing Amari and two other receivers, we're losing three guys. Now we have this throw a blanket over these talented guys. We don't know who really is the best, and they're all going to effort it a little bit more. And so the the pass distribution is going to naturally going to be uh, elevated. Sure. And, and, and everybody's going to have to step up because they know, they know Amari's not there to, to carry right. the load. Right. That's fair. The, um, all right. So as far as the dark horse, I'm, I'm glad you, you know, I'm, I'm glad you didn't steal mine. Um, you know, I, I will tell you that because of the, because of the position of need, which surprisingly we have not uh, talked about yet a lot. Um, you know, let's face it. Our other big position of need last year was linebacker, and okay. yep. and 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 so I'm gonna I'm gonna put as the as the uh, the other dark horse for me Joshua McMillan. Okay. And so we were all happy as a lark a couple of years ago when we had three linebackers come out that were six three two fifty right. Yep. And 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 what these guys were gonna do, well. You know, Reggie Raglan came on the scene last year and and stepped up and and really, you know, kind of uh, kind of uh, did what we expected him to do a little bit earlier in his career. Well, I think we still have depth issues at linebacker uh, for obvious reasons. We're we're obviously very fortunate that that Reggie Raglan is coming back, but we just don't have any depth. Reuben Foster has has shown that he cannot uh, stay healthy. Yep. Uh, Sean Dion Hamilton, I think, is going to be a guy that 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 we do have on the field next year. Um, but I do think that we need someone else at that position, and um, and and I think that I think that you know McMillan is going to be the guy that fills that role uh, because we've got a lot of guys on the edges, but we don't have enough guys up the middle. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you what you're doing the same thing with Joshua McMillan that uh, that you did with Anthony Jennings. I've got uh, McMillan on my red shirt sort of career achievement list. I really, really like uh, Joshua McMillan. He and again, this is the second time I've not watched film on all these guys. I promise, but he's another guy that I did watch film on, and he was a heat seeking missile. Uh, I mean, he made plays all over the field. Uh, he showed a an elevate for his you know a high school senior right an incredible ability to sort of engage with the lineman but read the play behind the lineman so he could shuck the lineman and then go make the play he showed an incredible uh, ability to play his position so not run out of his position so that uh you know so the an end around type play can get around him he stayed home maintained his position 
And then when the when the action came to him, he was able to make the play at or behind the line of scrimmage. He, to me, looks like a day one uh, type contributor, and it's also a position of need. He's a big he's a big linebacker, six three two forty. Played a little bit of outside linebacker in high school, but he's gonna uh, he's more of a thumper, I think. Gonna play uh, inside. Uh, he's got twenty six sacks over his last two years, so he can uh, he does have some sickum. Uh, in them, the only the only drawback or sort of the only question mark that I put with McMillan, which which causes me to classify him as as a redshirt candidate, is that he suffered an injury late in his senior year, and so you wonder is he going to be back to full health and time, you know, for fall camp to to contribute this season. That's the only question mark I have on him. Otherwise, he he would be in a much higher list because I think the talent that this guy has. Is, uh, is is incredible, and he's sort of that jumbo-sized linebacker that we need. Uh, we can talk about Trey to Priest, but one thing that the one thing that is inarguable is the number of snaps that he consumed over the last four seasons. That's a gap that we have that we need to fill. That number of snaps from a jumbo uh, linebacker. If McMillan is healthy, then. I, then he he'll get some of those this year. I, that's the question mark I have that for me puts him on the red shirt list. But yeah, this dude's a player. So so you definitely um, well, like you said, I mean, tearing is tearing is tearing the ACL uh, is something that is typically slower to come back from. You know, I uh, of the linebackers that are that are ready to you know physically ready, right? Uh, if injuries are not a, a factor. He's the guy that I hope is able to come back. Yes, because I I think we I think we still definitely need some some guys inside. If he if he's ready, then he plays. So let me ask you this: Assuming he is not ready, is there any other linebackers that you would put in the dark horse category of this class, or do you think that none of them, no one else is? Obviously, he would be top on your list if he wasn't coming off the injury. Anybody else that might be forced in that role just because we just don't have the numbers inside? I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. You know, uh, Kitten Anderson, I think, is more sort of a Vinny Sinceri hybrid where he's going to be, is he going to be a strong safety or is he going to kind of be a linebacker? And I think we already have one of those in Keith Holcomb, uh, who we redshirted last year. So I don't see him sort of jump in line in in that regard. And the other is Adonis Thomas, who I I think he's – I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I think he's 6'4", 215. I think he needs to add some bulk. He needs to add some weight. And so sort of their body dimensions, if you will, they're, what they can bring to the table, I think we already have on the roster. Uh, okay. I think that, you know, uh, you know, or Rashad Evans or a Tim Williams, those guys kind of start to fill that void. A Keith Holcomb kind of starts to fill that void. We thought he was a sincere kind of guy. I think Keaton – is a sincere kind of guy. Um, and so none of them are a true middle linebacker, Nico Johnson, Reggie Ragland, uh, Trey to Priest body type. The only body type that sort of fits that mold is uh, is the Joshua McMillan. And in fact, Joshua McMillan kind of reminds me, and I've, and I've read this uh, in other places too, more about Dante Hightower uh, type player. So one thing that's kind of fun is to kind of look at these guys, and one guy kind of reminds me, uh, Anthony Jennings kind of reminds me of Courtney Upshaw, and this uh, um, 
this kid, McMillan, reminds me of Dante Hightower. I don't know if that's just sort of rose-colored, happy thinking, or wow. <laughs> sure. No, that no that that well, well, and and to your point about the Courtney Upshaw analogy, Jennings is is already that same physicality, right? I yeah. mean, these kids are these kids are just coming off the assembly line far differently than they did four or five years ago. Yeah. All right. So, anybody else in your dark horse before we jump to red shirt? I've got one more dark horse, and and I know I've covered a lot of guys under this category, but two of them were my red shirt guys, so <laughs> which so, is okay, right? Well, I knew well, let's let's, say, let's let's save the la- let's save the last guy. And uh, and let me let me jump in and give you a red shirt guy. Since, Can since I do one we, more since, dark horse? Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I'll be quick. Darren Payne, defensive tackle, five star guy. He's six two, three thirty five. For all the same reasons that I've already mentioned, Jonathan Taylor. It's a position of need. It's low competition, and it's a high rotation position. And this guy has a lot of talent. Uh, so I think he's I think he's in the rotation in our big body defensive tackle type uh player i think he's in the rotation okay the um take me to red shirts man so so who do you who do you take a take a guess man you've already used two a year so 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 this is going to be my category um but but the first guy which should not surprise you i i don't think um is is i am going to look at a a very um, usual red shirt position, sure. um, and uh, and that is offensive line, and, and I'm going to go with Matt Womack. Okay. And so when you know, obviously, when he comes out and you see that the kid is six seven, three hundred and thirty pounds, that sounds awesome. Okay. But obviously, as as you've heard as well, the kid is still very raw, and um, and this is a guy that. We've got other guys ahead of them that that can that you know between Dominic Jackson and Grant Hill, who can hold the fort down at, at tackle and for roster management as you like to call it, um, which is correct. Um, this is a guy that that is a a long term investment, and uh, I hope this kid pans out to be an Austin Shepard uh, type of player that people forget his name when he's a junior. And uh, or better yet, they forget his name when he's a senior and he comes in and he's a one or two year starter. Well, I think that's I think that's that is the upside potential, I think, with uh, with a Matt Womack, I, Matt Womack. I think clearly he's he's a red shirt. Uh, is he a red shirt with like sort of career achievement potential? I don't know. And so if he comes in and, and you know, and, and he's able to lock down the right tackle position his junior and senior year, then, yeah, that's kind of what how we're defining this position. Uh, if he comes in and sort of his last year, uh, he spends some time at, at the position, you know, that may or may not sort of ca- uh, classify. Uh, I think that – I think he does have a – I think he, he has a lot of upside. Uh, I, and, again, you mentioned the word raw. I think that fits – you know, I like his length. I like his size. I like what what I think that he can do at that position. It's a good get uh, to pull him out of uh, Louisiana away from LSU. Uh, so I'm very pleased with uh, the signing. I just I, I just don't see him. I don't see his immediate sort of path to the field. I think he's going to take a circuitous route, and it may be a redshirt junior year before. Uh, you know, before he really has an opportunity, but you know, 
that's going to okay be with that. That's going to okay no, that's right? going to be a great opportunity, and he's going to be a well honed, you know, prospect and and uh, participant by that time. So I don't mean that as disparaging at all. Yeah, I think that uh, if he can come in as a redshirt junior and and senior and and lock down the position, then yeah, that's exactly what this category is all about. Well, and let's face it, right? If LSU is on his radar, right, he must be doing something right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so, uh, all right. So, so give me since I have stolen uh, since since you've already used two of your red shirts, you only uh, you only have one left. So, so, so burn your last one. <laughs> I cheated, man. I have more, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I just do. Um, but I, I'm going to tell you, th- this position is made for a couple of different kinds of guys. And Matt Womack is the kind of guy that this position is made for because he's going to be redshirted. He's going to not be at everyone's top of mind. And in a couple of years, it's going to be like, who's this Drew Davis guy that's man in the left tackle position? Exactly. The national title? Drew Davis. I've never exactly. heard of this guy. And yep. so, you know, if Matt Womack kind of comes in and does a Drew Davis, well, man, that's that's – that's what sort of this this sort of career achievement is is all about, right? And so there's a range of of what this could mean, and that's certainly an example. Uh, there's also another kind of player that's going to fit in this category, and and I call it, you know, you know, if Matt Womack is their Drew Davis end end of the spectrum retro oh, no. career achievement, yes. then then this guy is the AJ McCarron end end of the spectrum. Okay, I'm going, I'm going, you know, Blake Barnett quarterback. Saban has never started uh, a true freshman uh, quarterback while at Alabama. I don't see him starting that now. And in fact, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to make the decree now that you and I are going to do another quarterback show because I think there's so much to talk about in this position uh, and sort of the implications, you know, Coke or Morris, Bateman, Cornwell, and now Blake, uh, you know, sort of how does that figure itself out. And we're going to do a whole, we sh- you know, need to do a whole show, a show on that. But I think the short answer is, look, Blake Barnett is the highest ranked quarterback that Saban has recruited, certainly while at Alabama. And he has, he has fantastic upside uh, with his a- athletic ability, his ability to show the ball, throw the ball. I promise I've not seen film on all these guys, but this is another of the guys that I've seen film on. And it is dazzling. He he just can spin the bean. He's a five-star guy, an early enrollee, so we're going to get to see him in spring, and everyone's going to get really excited about it. If there's ever been an opportunity for us to maybe play two quarterbacks, I think it's this season, and we'll get we'll have a show and we'll talk about why I believe so strongly about that. But uh, I think Blake Barnett, if he redshirts this year, man, people don't forget his name because he – is going to make his mark before he's out of here. Okay. So 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 he's a guy that you is he a guy that you think red shirts for sure or is he a guy that you think can get can get into the top 3? I think well, you know, Let's do a quarterback show. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're going to lead me down a path that you know, that's a different I, I got you. Let's have a quarterback show because I think there's there's a lot of fun stuff to cover there. Okay. All right. So um so 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 next on next on my uh red shirt and and I like your AJ McCarron analogy um is 
you know, the, the, the next, uh, the next guys that, that I wanted to talk about, um, is going to be, you know, still a position of need and, and, and that's the, that's the cornerback position. And so these are guys that, that, you know, I mean, let's face it, right. We would, we would love to, you know, I love the fact that we've got these guys in this recruiting class, but the guys that are ahead of them is going to prevent them from seeing the field. Yep. And there's just no way that for roster management, as you love to say, when you have a Tony Brown and a Marlon Humphrey and Marlon Humphrey, you know, when you, when you had, when you had the top two cornerbacks in the nation last year, I don't care. You're coming there because of Nick Saban and how he churns out DBs. And that's why Alabama got them. And these guys say, okay, I'll redshirt one year, play two more years, and go pro. And so Kendall Sheffield is a guy that I'm very excited about. Um, I, I, you know, I could be just as excited about Fitzpatrick. I mean, yep. I, I guess I'll cheat and just put both of these guys. I mean, both of these guys have the good size. They're both six foot, six foot one. You know, close to 200 pounds. Um, these are these are two kids that I don't care. One's four star, one five star. I mean, they're the number three and four cornerbacks in the nation. Yep. Yep. And 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 these are guys that are going to come in and they're going to lick their chops and they're going to look at a Bradley Sylvie and a Mo Smith and a Jabril Washington and they're going to say open competition and 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 they look at the big picture. And so, do I think they get redshirted this year? They better get redshirted. But then these are guys that fans will forget about, and these guys will be studs probably next year. Yep. And I'm just look. I'm just gonna say, yep. And then I'm gonna come back and talk about the cornerback position under big my biggest surprise of this recruiting class. Okay. All right. So I have him. I have you know. You went with Sheffield. I've got Minka. Uh, on this red shirt list, uh, and then I have another place where I want to talk about cornerbacks. So I'm just going to go, yep, I'm on board with exactly what you said, and I'll elaborate on that in just a minute. All right, so let's let's switch to biggest miss here, man. Yep. Um, uh, start me off with 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 with. I mean, I've I've already kind of jumped a little bit into that uh, earlier, and so I want to start with you. What well, what do you see is the is the biggest position need? Uh, that we missed in this class as, as great as this class is. Yeah, I've got I've got two. Uh, I've got two, and then but I think one's a little a little more pressing than the other, and it's tight end. Uh, us not getting a Michael Williams mold tight end, uh, I think was critical in this recruiting class, and we swung the bat uh, and we missed. And look, we're talking we're talking about the number one recruiting class in the country and we're talking about a miss. And so is it a fatal flaw? No, but is it, it is, is it important? It's absolutely important. And so you think about a Michael Williams, he was six, five, I went back and looked, he was six, five, 265 as a signee, not as a senior, but as a signee. And so we went really hard after Tyrone Wheatley Jr. And just saying that name out loud makes me feel old. Uh, we went after him. He's 6'6", 260. He ended up going to Michigan. No big surprise there. And we went hard after Will Gregg, uh, 6'4", 245, ended up going to Arkansas. He was a top player in the state. Not a real big surprise there. But not getting a tight end, I think, is a hole. I think we have a hole in our roster uh, relative to this position. We're losing free tag and for Shane, for Shane we talked about. We've got OJ, Brandon Green, Dakota Ball. That's really what we've got. And they're all going to be juniors. 
uh, this next season. And so if we talk about not getting quality tight ends until next recruiting class, then we're bringing in freshman replacement tight ends while our tight ends at that point are all going to be seniors. So we've sort of got a gaping hole in our uh, in our roster management strategy here. You know, Ty Florney Smith, we need him to step up and be a star this year. That's going to be it. That already has question marks attached with it, but he's going to be a senior. He's going to be gone anyways. And so we're, even if he steps in and fills the void, that does not fill the void that we missed in this recruiting class. And so what that means, watch for two things to happen. Watch for experiments in the spring. Who can we move around and move into a tight end position from other positions? Guess what? I think that amplifies Scarborough being at an H back right? To kind of fill right. some, some backup void there and watch for us to sign at least one Juco uh, next recruiting class at the tight now, end now, position. Now, now, what did you say Michael Williams' uh, size was when 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 he came out in, in his class? I, you know, I looked it up and as a recruit, he was listed at 6'5", 265. Okay, okay. All right, because and so when, we went after some big guys. We went after, and that's why I kind of went through their names, right? We went through Wheatley, six six two sixty. Okay, that's close to six five two sixty five. And then Greg at six four two forty five. Yeah, for a true freshman, that's in the that's in the neighborhood. That's a big bodied guy as opposed to Hell Hentges, who's you know what two twenty. Well, the reason I asked just because you know these these different recruiting services you know might have a little different sure. figures uh, for the players. Um, what I had found on Michael Williams because when I when I talked about fullback, I, I went back and looked at it as well. Is you know he had he was recruited at defensive end, okay, out of Pickens High School in in Alabama, and what I saw showed him at six six two forty. And so what what I find interesting about that. Is he was brought in to play defensive end. Yeah, but he right. was six, but he was six six. So my point is 240, 250, whatever, you know, your service showed 250, mine showed the one I looked sure, at showed 240. Sure. You know, which of these guys in this class, right, could be a guy that, you know, we've already talked about Bo Scarborough, but but to your point, which of these guys is possibly a guy that that might get a look over there in the future, um, you know, down the road. Um, and, and so th that's, that's the thing that that's interesting because, um, uh, Michael Williams was, you know, never envisioned. He played basketball in high school and he played defensive end and, 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 and look how things worked out for him. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know that they have anybody else in this class that fits that mold. You know, of the of the six four, six five, six six kind of guy. The closest, and he's and he's he's on the shorter. He's six three, uh, which I have no right in the world to call that short. Uh, but is is Anthony Jennings is the closest to that? And he was he you know was a defensive end slash tight end in high school, and so you could see where maybe he would he would carry that over. That's the closest that we have in this recruiting class. It'd just be a function of who else do we have on the roster. And I kind of skimmed the roster. There's really no one that to me jumps out as uh you know as having an opportunity to to do that. And so that's where I you know now we'll see guys maybe kind of move around. We moved to Dakota Ball over and I never kind of would have picked that, right? And so is there a, is there uh another guy that we could um 
that we could look at at that position. Yeah, you know, possibly a Walker Jones. I mean, he's not quite as tall or quite as big, but, you know, we could potentially try to look for someone else to put in that position. But uh, I don't think we have – we don't have a 6'5", 260 guy just sitting around waiting for playing time uh, that we could move. We don't have one of those. Uh, So – Well, I was wondering – I was wondering if – the reason I asked that question since you mentioned the biggest miss – um, I was wondering if you would mention Jennings <clears throat> because while we need more elite pass rushers, we were blessed in Rashawn. Yes. Um, we were blessed in Rashawn and Tim Williams, you know, Rashawn Evans and Tim Williams, you know, who I think will take on a much bigger role next year. And so um, it would be interesting if, uh, if Jennings is part of an experiment in the spring just to see what he looks like because you do have guys like Deshaun Hand and, and Jonathan Allen already on the other side of the ball. Yeah. Now I'm I'm looking at my kind of looking at my board. He's he's not an early enrollee. Jennings is not. And so sort of the first opportunity he would have to experiment at the position would be fall camp. Uh and you know, I've got him as a red shirt watch. Sure. I, I, I would move him, I would bump him up to a dark horse if we flipped them to tight end just because of what we're talking about here. I think we, I think we, I think we have a hole in our roster that really is a year old. And and I say it's a year old because free tag and, and Fashawn who were, they were not on that upward of a path uh, in terms of their development, but they were on a path of development and they were sort of, you know, red shirt sophomores. Right. And so they were in that, um, they were in that class category that fills the gap with them not there. We have that gap in our, in our, in our roster now. And, uh, and, and I think a material gap, and that's why I think next year we'll fill it with, we'll fill it with JUCOs and don't be surprised if we sign three tight ends next year. Because of that, because okay. of that, do well, not be surprised if we sign three. And I know that's a big number for that position, but we've got we've got some making up to do. And so don't be surprised if if we sign uh three JUCOs. And 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 one thing, and this is, you know, this is what do you which way do you root on this? Do you want OJ Howard to have just a fantastic year and go pro? Right. <laughs> You're right. Right. Because that that would further amplify this gap. And so, yes, of course I want him, him to have a big year. I want him to have a big year and then come back and do it again as a senior because yes. we, we because we've got this gap in our roster. And so to me, that's one of the biggest misses in this recruiting class. Okay. Do well, you have a miss? I, well, I had talked to you know, I, I I talked about fullback earlier and and I still think fullback was was the big miss. I mean, Bo Scarborough might might, you know, they they might they might just luck up with with Bo Scarborough for all the reasons we talked about. But I think not bringing a true a true fullback in this class uh, was a miss. Um, I also think that um, I would have liked to see them bring in more inside linebackers. And so we've spoke about McMillan and and why I think McMillan might get in there because of numbers. I, I'm a little surprised that we didn't you know sign more guys who are that inside linebacker mold because a couple years ago. You know, we signed Denzel Duvall. He ended up going outside. We signed Ryan Anderson. He ended up going outside. We signed Xavier Dixon. He ended up going outside. 
So Reuben Foster was the only guy that stuck inside one class, Reggie one class, Sean one class. So in the last three years, we've only had one guy stick at inside linebacker, and we've brought in more than one. This year, we bring in three outside linebackers of the 210-215 mold and only one guy of the 240-250. Yeah. And uh, that that's the other position that I think is huge for us, uh, as we witnessed you know, in the uh, Ohio State game. And so I'm surprised we didn't bring in a, a few more guys inside. That's going to be interesting because I, I wonder if we're not trying to overcorrect for needing more – you know, sort of flex speed CJ Mosley type linebackers and CJ's played inside, right? But uh, he wasn't, you know, the 250 thumper. And so I wonder if we're not trying to get more CJ Mosley's and less Nico Johnson's just to sort of throw body types out there. Um, I, I don't know. That'll be interesting to see if that was uh, a miss in recruiting or that was intentionally done that way, which still could be bad strategy. No, absolutely. Hey, uh, your last category was biggest surprise, and we we've covered a lot. Is there is there anything else that 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 in this class that 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 we haven't covered that you want to you know touch on? I think tackle was a miss. Uh, just talking about misses, uh, and then you know there's reasons for that. But I think I think I think we got one sort of pure tackle, and uh, I would love to see a developmental left tackle in this class. Uh, Isaiah Prince would have been a good get. Uh, Drew Richardson, uh, our Richmond would have been a good get. He's a little wackadoo, it seemed like, uh, through the recruiting process. But uh, I didn't. I don't think we have anybody on the team with the upside talent to be a left tackle. And so I would have liked to have seen that. But uh, you know, we'll have to get that in next recruiting class. Look for us to get maybe a couple tackles uh, through JUCO next year. In terms of my biggest surprise, though, my biggest surprise. And look, we've touched upon this, and you've kind of you've kind of talked through. Uh, most of it. But the biggest surprise is cornerback. And the cornerback position in this draft proves to me that Nick Saban is the best recruiter in the history of mankind. And here's why, right? Because he signed Minka Fitzpatrick, just like we talked about, the number two rated cornerback in the country, Kendall Sheffield, the number four rated cornerback in the country. Last year, Tony Brown and Marlon Humphrey, the number one and number two ranked uh, cornerbacks in the country. So already there's some back, there's a log jam there, right? On top of that, Cyrus Jones and Eddie Jackson, last year's starters, are returning. And so now you could reason that we're two, four, six deep at the position. That's before you even think about Sylvie, who started, sucked for a period of time, and then came back in the Auburn game and, you know, arguably helped us win the game. Uh, Mo Smith got some play last time. Jabril Washington, or last year, uh, Jabril Washington got some play last year. He's a young guy. Uh, Anthony Averett and Jonathan Cook don't know what's going to sort of develop from them yet, but they're young guys too. We start to get, you know, what's that, the six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, 11 deep uh, at the cornerback position. And for guys that are so ranked so high nationally that literally just could go anywhere they wanted to, said, nope. I want to go stand in line over there. That is pretty freaking impressive. But, you know, that speaks to what we said years ago with the kid, the nose guard of Kentucky. What's yes. the kid? What What's the kid back in the day? Yes. When we had the number one. See, that's the other thing, right? Years ago, we used to get excited if we could be number one at a position. Sure. 
much less the whole recruiting class. So that year we had the number one defensive line class in the nation. And we wish means would have gone the hell somewhere else. But what did, what did, what did the kid do at Kentucky? He flipped on signing day and said, I don't want to compete. Let me go over to Kentucky where I can be the man. And it, and some of those guys never showed up on campus, uh, never really materialized on campus. I wish I could remember, you know, David Alec, uh, David uh, Alec, it was a David, David Alec, Payne. David Payne yep. was one of them. And then, you know, you mentioned, uh, Means. you mentioned Means. Uh, <laughs> he always makes me laugh. There were a couple others that never really panned out. I can't right now remember their names. But what's funny is Dwayne Robinson ended up being – now he played at Kentucky, but he ended up being the best of the, best of the bunch. I mean, he was picked number four in the NFL draft that year. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, you could reason that he had an easier path to a better draft than he would have had at Alabama. But, but hell, we weren't that good back then either, right? And so he he would have still been just as good. He would have been our star defensive lineman. And so he didn't want to compete with a group of names when he was the best one out of the bunch of them. And so I get the I get the I hear what you're saying about Minka uh, and 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 Kendall wanting to come in to compete. But there's such, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a it's an entitlement that I'm so highly recruited I can go somewhere and step in and play day one. I can I can just do that. And um, and the fact that both of them, in the in the midst of again the starters are back, the number one and two from last year and from this year, and I think that's where it's really material that they will redshirt because the sort of the path. The logjam opens up in 2016 as opposed to, uh, you know, 2015 because, uh, you know, Cyrus is going to be, you know, Cyrus will be gone. Uh, Eddie Jackson, if he has a good year, he I guess he could go. Uh, but, you know, he'll only have one year remaining. Sylvie will be gone. We'll have Mo Smith and Jabril and Anthony and Jonathan Cook kind of sorted out, you know, by then. Uh, so I think the logjam kind of, uh, you know, kind of opens up. Uh, and and there's some opportunity next year, but uh, yeah, I think they both redshirt. But the fact that we got, I mean, you, I mean, we can reason and we can try to explain it, but just sit back and look at the wonder of the two and four come the year after the one and two came, and guess what? Last year's starters that were neither of those guys are still on the team. Right. That's just that doesn't happen. I mean, right? That doesn't happen. It does not happen in college recruiting today, except for it to happen today. Right. That's to me is amazing. So that was my biggest surprise on recruiting day. And it was a positive surprise. It was like, holy wow, look at this. This is just amazing. Sure. No, absolutely. I agree with that. Well, man, I have got nothing else on, on on my sheet. I think we've covered a lot and uh, have somehow covered almost every player in this year's recruiting class. <laughs> um, uh, how, how we how we did that um, is interesting. One other thing I will mention, I, I guess I do have one other thing. This is sure. not a surprise, but this is just a, a, a you know a great thing I noticed is when when you look at this class and you compare it to you know the 2012 class, which was a very good class, right? And so 2012, Landon Collins, TJ Yeldon, you know, uh, Amari Cooper, you know, need I say more, right? Reggie Ragland, et cetera, et cetera. But in that class, out of 25 kids, we had 13 kids that were not ranked in the top 10 at their position. 
So when Nick Saban likes to talk about ratings and, you know, how can you do that, et cetera, okay, fine. Half the class was not ranked in the top 10 at their position. In this class, out of 25 kids, 20 kids are ranked in the top 10 at their respective position. Yeah. And last year was very similar too, right? You know, it's like it's like the the number one cl recruiting classes are getting even better. So, so I just wanted to point that out for the listeners that that the the talent that is out there, right? I mean, this is going to be some fun practices that I'd like to be able to go watch. Yeah, and 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 you know what? What's also impressive, and, and I'm glad Saban made a point of calling this out in his his signing day press conference. Is guess what? On signing day, there wasn't a lot of drama because these guys have been committed. Uh, in the true sense of the word, they've been committed to the program. You know, they all got to kind of do their signing day thing, but there wasn't a lot of flipping. There wasn't a lot of waffling. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, who's which hat are they going to flip and pick on on signing day. No, our guys were sort of all on board, all committed. You know, by lunchtime, most of them, uh, and in fact, nearly almost all of them, uh, had submitted their letter. Uh, of intent that happened this year that happened last year as well and so it's like not only are the classes getting better year over year but the process is going smoother for the program that they're committing they're staying committed and signing day is but a formality last yes. year and this year is the way it seemed no you're exactly correct i mean they had 10 guys in this recruiting class committed by a day last year. Yes. Yeah. Over half, almost half the class. Yeah. And, and eight of them. So a quarter, a true quarter. No, that's a third, right? Right. A third of the class were early enrollees. So you take a third of the class was already in school, right? <laughs> right. They had to take time out between classes to go send their, their, you know, their letter. Right. And so it's just not only are the classes getting better, but the, the drama is going down and it's a much, it's a much smoother process. We're not waiting for a press conference to find out if we had a good recruiting day. We know that we're going to have a good recruiting day. Now, if there's a second cherry on top, fantastic. If there's not, oh, well, we still had the number one recruiting class. No, absolutely. Well, hey, man, I've enjoyed this, and uh, I will look forward to doing some shows to to uh, to have some position conversations prior to A-Day. Absolutely. I want to do this just real quick. If people are, you know, we're running especially long here, and so I want to give a shout-out to some of our listeners. Uh, we haven't done a show since after the – the dreaded uh, Ohio State game. And so we had uh, some iTunes reviews. Uh, we had J-H-V-A-S-C. I'm not sure what that means. Ironically, he submitted this probably the night that we recorded the postgame show. But he says, as painful as it is, this utter disaster needs to be analyzed. There's no two better men prepared to do this than Tom and Dave. So we appreciate that. That makes us feel good that we had to suffer through doing the show with that kind of feedback or that kind of expectation. Yeah, because uh, that show he, did suck. That it is did. correct. It did. Uh, PD12000 uh, said, perfect. You guys have summed up, have summed it up perfectly, the game and my frustration. So he was talking to us about the Ohio State game. We appreciate uh, uh, that. We had a, we had a guy, uh, he said, love it, and he gave us a five-star review. Uh, it must be sort of an adolescent Ohio State fan because I think he's trying to 
I think he's trying to troll us, but he does a very poor job and he gives us a five star. Uh, so I won't give him any more credit than that, but I will, I will say thank you for, uh, that five star, but we'll keep the insults, uh, unread. And then, uh, we got another review just, uh, a little bit after that, that said, uh, just what I've been looking for. And this is the masher 63 just found this podcast after the sec championship game. So this is a brand new listener. Uh, the X's and O's in chess match of college. I love the X's and O's in chess match of college football. These two break them down perfectly. I just hate it. it. Took me so long to find them. Looking forward to next season even more. So that's exciting. Absolutely, man. We're glad he's listening, man. We we look forward to uh to to giving him some more content to uh to enjoy. Absolutely. So if you're out there listening, uh, head on over to iTunes, give us a review. It helps us in the rankings. And, uh, and it's you know, kind of a little gratifying as we, as we do this and understand and see that people are enjoying it. Uh, then that makes us feel good, uh, for the late night efforts. So Tom, that's what, that's what I've got. I know we cover a lot of ground. Anything you want to add? No, man, I'm just, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, uh, April and the third quarter of the a day game and, uh, checking out the, the guys that people will forget about in a couple of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, in the meantime, this has been another edition of the Alabama football podcast powered by Bama hammer roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama football podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out a roll tide. We are where you are iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.